Uh, he took the crown from death's pale brow. An empty form alone remains of death. Um, and we even think, you know, the empty tomb is reflective of that. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Welcome to Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline here with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Good morning, Evan. Today we're playing some fun games like Don't Forget the Stanzas to Your Hymns. We changed the name of that because we used to call it Don't Forget the Lyrics, but they're not really lyrics and hymnody. So Don't Forget the Stanzas to Your Hymn, Mythbusters, and if we have time, we're going to play some 20 questions after that. I didn't even know about that. About what? 20 questions? 20 questions. Oh, well, good. That, that's, it's a good thing uh, that it doesn't take long to do some show prep. Yeah, uh, we have right. a special guest on the phone. Before we introduce him, we need to do our theological buzzwords. Uh, and so yes. uh, th- th- this is where we give each other a buzzword, and we have to try and get our theological buzzword in um, conversation of the course of the show. My buzzword for you is homoousia. Homoousia, which is same uh, substance. That's right. The Greek word, which uh, kind of came out at, at Nicaea in the articulation of the Nicene Creed, um, articulating that Jesus is uh, of one substance with the Father. Okay, and my theological buzzword for you is baptismal regeneration. All right. All right, we got our buzzword. Which is out of the, the teaching way. that uh, that through baptism the Lord regenerates us and gives us new birth. So there you go. There it is. All right. Well, our special guest for Don't Forget the Stanzas to Your Hymns is Cantor Hildebrandt, Cantor at, Con- at uh, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, uh, Pastor Wolfmiller doesn't know this, but uh, today we're talking about the hymn Christ Jesus Lay in Death's Strong Bands. Uh, can you tell us a little bit of background about this hymn? Sure. Well, uh, the, the text is uh, by Martin Luther, who I, I hope you know. And uh, in addition to uh, many of his uh, wonderful things uh, given to the church, also uh, served as a hymn writer. Uh, and the, the tune, as we know, it comes from Johann Walter, who was the first conter of the Lutheran Church. He worked with Luther uh, on uh, arranging the music for the Deutsche Messe and, uh, and, and uh, was also a, a compiler of these early Lutheran chorales in one of the first uh, Lutheran hymn collections. And that's uh, where we trace the uh, origins of, of this hymn tune. All right. Well, let's play the first hymn. And uh, Pastor Wolfram, you'll, you will then be expected to uh, finish the stanza. You ready? I'm ready. Let's bring it on, Evan. Bring it on. Bring it on. songs of alleluias alleluia loud songs of alleluia alleluia <laughs> the nice thing I is got it the nice oh. thing is he's guaranteed to get the last word of every stanza <laughs> <laughs> okay, Cantor, uh, this first hymn, what's it, or this, excuse me, the first stanza, what's this talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's sort of uh, like many of Luther's hymns, starts out very didactic and teaching the, uh, the, the story of the faith and, and the, the story of, of salvation and, uh, and talking about you know, Christ's uh, death and resurrection. And, uh, and I, I like to point out how it's, it's easy to get stuck 
uh, in him choosing, in just looking at the titles and not looking beyond that. And, and when uh, one pages through a hymnal and is not familiar with this hymn, you see the title, Christ Jesus Lay in Death Strong Bands. And that seems like a much different title than a hymn like, Jesus Christ is Risen Today, or I Know That My Redeemer Lives. But if we get into the very next phrase, but now on God's right hand he stands and brings us life from heaven, it puts the hymn into this wonderful light of salvation. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, and so you, you move from, here you have the, the move into Easter, that, that first Christ is laying in, in the grave, and then, uh, and why, for our offenses, and then uh, he stands and, and brings life and heaven to us. Mm-hmm. And what is the Christian's natural reaction to all this? Every time uh, we, we read of, of God's saving work uh, in the Bible, uh, God's people sing. And so this is the Christian's response Sing to God right thankfully, loud songs of Alleluia. And indeed we do. Well, uh, Pastor, you want to try another stanza then? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've just finished counting my first 200 points here. (laughs) (laughs) Safely tucked away. I'm ready for more. I think we better play another one. All right, here we go. (laughs) No son of man could conquer death. Such ruin sin had wrought us. No innocence was found on earth, and therefore death had brought us into bondage from of old, and ever grew more strong and bold. Ah. Ooh, boy, I forgot this one. Uh, something about death uh, held its way unswerving or something like this. Uh, oh, I can't remember that. <laughs> Here, here's, the, here's the hymn. And held us as its captive. Woof. <laughs> All right, Cantor, we have the second hymn that starts out, No Son of Man Could Conquer Death. Right. Um, I, I think the, the first uh, four stanzas of, of this hymn, for instance, uh, are very similar to Luther's hymn, Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice, where he sets the stage and then goes through law and gospel. This is uh, des- describing our, our, our sinfulness and our need for a Savior. And, uh, and, and the, the power that, that sin has over us uh, and uh, then prepares us for what happens in the next stanza, talking about the work of Christ. Well, maybe we should uh, get right to it then. I think so. Especially because, uh, hey, do you lose points if you get this wrong? No, no. What are you trying to change your rules? <laughs> it's a one-way valve. You can only go up. <laughs> All right. Here it is then. Christ Jesus, God's own Son, came down His people to deliver Destroying sin, He took the crown From death's pale brow forever Stripped of power, no more He reigns I'd want this one. This is a beautiful verse. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh. Beep me again. I can't get it. You can't get this it. This is a tough game. You you should a couple of words of the of the last oh, line would be helpful. Come on. Um, okay. It's sting. Is lost forever. Hallelujah. Oh, all right. I had to give you a pretty big <laughs> nudge though. Here it is. Oh, yeah. His sting is lost forever. Hallelujah. Ah, that's great. All right, Cantor. So we, this uh, stanza two, we, we had uh, the law, and then stanza three comes the gospel. That's right. Uh, Christ Jesus, God's own son, came down. 
his people to deliver. And, and the, there's just some other wonderful uh, imagery in, in the text. Uh, uh, he took the crown from death's pale brow, uh, and uh, an empty form alone remains of death. Um, and we even think, you know, the empty tomb is reflective of that. Sure. Oh, this is this is great. Yeah, he um, stripped of power. No more it reigns. An empty form alone remains. And then then the part that uh, Pastor Wolfmiller <laughs> got its sting is lost forever. And, and reminded of uh, the, the text: um, grave wears your victory, uh, death wears a sting. Uh, and so, because of of, of Christ's victory over over death, uh, we no longer taste death ourselves. Luther loved to talk about death as a phantom, uh, as a ghost. It had no real meat to it anymore because because Christ has uh, stripped death in the grave of it, of all of his power in his resurrection. And this and there it is in the hymn. Beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. This is also what I mean about it's it's easy to you know just page through the hymnal and and look at the titles and and that's good. But some I I just think as as a child growing, we never sang this hymn. And and uh, I know this is is probably not on a lot of congregations' top ten list. Now there are ex- exceptions, um, but it, it's easy again to just to get stuck on looking at at the title, not get into you know further on, or even into you know these internal stanzas, and start to uh, use this as a as a tool for catechesis also. That's right. Well, let's take a break right there, and we'll continue playing this hymn, Christ Jesus lay in death strong bands number 458 in the lutheran service book if you want to follow along at home uh, for the table talk radio home game we'll be right back more table talk radio right after this commercial break This is Chris Roseborough, captain of Pirate Christian Radio, and Table Talk Radio is PCR's top radio program right after Issues Etc., Fighting for the Faith, Sermons from Holy Trinity, The God Whispers, The Gift, Radical Grace, SoCo, Higher Things, The Feast, Dying to Live, Living Water, Words of Hope, Internet Monk, and reruns of The White Horse Inn. Hello, this is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. I'm planning a symposium on Islam to be held at Peace with Christ Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. We have three speakers. Adam Francisco from the Fort Wayne Seminary, Dr. Stephen Hine from Colorado Springs, and Deacon Shaquille Nazami from Pakistan to be talking about the history, theology uh, of Islam, and how we can reach out to our Islamic neighbors. The cost is $10, 20 max per family, again Saturday, May 16th, at Peace with Christ Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. For more information, send me an email at pastor at hope-aurora.org. Hope to see you there. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're in the middle of discussing this hymn, Christ Jesus Lay in Death Strong Bands. Cancer Hildebrandt of uh, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, Indiana, is here with us discussing, discussing this hymn. And Pastor Wolfman is a contestant of Don't Forget the Stanzas to Your Hymns. Um, do you only get 100 for that last one because I had to nudge you? That's true. I only took 100. Okay. So, so now I have 300 points. <laughs> All right. And we're ready to take a look at stanza four. So here it is. It's not his sting is lost forever. That was the other one. This is my favorite stanza of the whole hymn. Uh, death is swallowed up by death. Uh, just give me the first word. It's. It's rain. No, it's rain. It's sting. It's it's power. It's it. Death is done. It, the day of death is ended. Death is no longer dangerous to you. Alleluia. 
<laughs> Where did you get these sounds? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, here it is. is lost what? <laughs> it was at Sting is Lost for that. It comes up twice. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's a kind of a <laughs> trick question. I thought I thought it Sting is Lost Forever. That's what it is, but it can't be that. That's how stanza two or three ended or whatever. Well, you would think you would know your favorite stanza. Death and life contend. It was a strange and dreadful strife when death and life contended. That's one of the most captivative, captivating pictures of Easter, Holy Saturday and Easter, uh, that I know of. That's wonderful. Well, I think again, uh, this this imagery and and the of of you know the the conflict between life and death, and uh, and and seeing that that even you know in our lives you know I'm applying this you know we have this conflict this ongoing battle between life and death, but we know that life that's where the victory remains and the the, the victory ours remaineth as uh, Luther says in another hymn uh, we hear echoed here. Oh, this is this is a this. You're right. This is a great hymn. Um, so, why do you think that some of these uh, some of these hymns don't find their way into uh, most congregations today? Well, there's a number of reasons uh, for that that I can speculate uh, about. Um, I, I think one reason is, you know, a lot of times pastors and church musicians uh, plan what they know, and if pastors and church musicians don't know this hymn, it's it's going to be very unusual for them to say, yeah, let's do this uh, at our congregation. So uh, I, I applaud uh, an opportunity like this for, for pastors and church musicians. They need to know the hymn themselves sure. before they can uh, and bring these riches to their, their congregations. That's right. Well, let's, let's uh, see if Pastor Wolfram can get any more points in this game. Still lingering at a mere 300. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's stanza Sitting five. proudly atop a pile of 300 is how I would have said it. It sting is lost forever. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> is that Mario Brothers? Yeah, that that's after he dies, just so you know. Um no 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 death, faith looks to it, death passes or uh that's a wonderful reference to the Passover. And then what comes next is um uh, I don't know. Ah, it's terrible. I, I was singing along the whole thing until the last line. Is this, Cantor Hildebrand, is there some strange rhyme structure here to where you have uh, three lines in a row that rhyme at the end, making the last one more difficult to remember? Could you help me out with that? Is that true? Oh, uh, no. The last three <laughs> lines do not rhyme. Oh, right, 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 right. But there is a rhyme structure. Uh, but that's not going to help you right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is it? And Satan cannot harm us. Alleluia. Oh, Lord. That's a and good so one here, again. here, Cantor, we have a reference uh, to the Paschal Lamb and then to Passover. Mm-hmm. Right, and and I think that the hymn here moves into you know a, very much a sacramental focus. Um, and in fact, I, I've uh, looked at the uh, Luther's original German text here. It, it begins also with the word "here," both in German and in English. Here, and and I I thought, well, you know, where is here? What is that referring to? And I th- I think it we can make a strong argument. It's pointing to the altar. All right, here our true Paschal Lamb. We see das Rechte Osterlamm. It says in in German. And uh, in, in it's reference to to Passover and the Agnus Day we sing of the Lamb of God, and and uh, the blood of the Lamb saving us, and there of course at the altar the blood of the Lamb saves us. 
so so that all the, all these gifts that uh, have been won for us in Christ, you know, def- forgiving our sins, living a perfect life, dying and raising from the dead, defeating the devil and and death and sin, is all delivered to us through the sacraments. Which, um, as you mentioned, the the Lord's Supper is, is, is uh, being alluded to here, and also in, in baptism, which we which we believe in uh, the doctrine of baptismal regeneration. That. Uh, that <laughs> <laughs> That was a bit of a stretch, radio clown. <laughs> Come on, we, we're talking about the sac. Are you paying attention over there? <laughs> oh, brother! All right, excuse us, Gander. We we have these little uh, little things going on as we play here. That that's okay. <laughs> he just hit the buzzword <laughs> for two hundred points. <laughs> Can't, did you think that was a stretch to pull in baptism, baptismal regeneration? No. Uh, in See, fact, well, and just in speaking of you know the the blood of Christ and speak of referring to baptism, in Luther's baptism hymn, uh, To Jordan Came the Christ the Lord, at, in the, the final stanza of that, he talks about, here we see the crimson flood. Uh-huh. So he uses that imagery himself. I think All you right, guys well, are both let... stretching now, but you know, there is something <laughs> with the, that the uh, traditional uh, uh, epistle reading for Easter ha- is this reading from uh, 2 Corinthians, if I remember right. It, 1 Corinthians 5. It has Christ our Paschal. Uh, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So, so that language of the sacrifice comes into comes into the Easter proclamation because the one who is risen is the one who died. It it has to be these two things have to always be together uh, for the comfort of our consciences and the forgiveness of our sins. So, great stuff. All right. Well, in fact, you'll hear more of that soon, Pastor. All right. All well, right. Let, I'm ready. Let's see if it talks about the homoousia in the next stanza. <laughs> Insert lyrics oh, here. Oh man, I, I get, see. I do hear this rhyme scheme. What is it? It's like A A B B A. So you gotta to get the rhyme. You gotta go back to the to the lines before. This is throwing me off. His, his death and parts, eternal sunshine to the hearts. Uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you buzz me again. I'm waiting for. The- <laughs> <laughs> All right, here it is. The night of sin is I should have known that one. That... All right, Pastor, so if it's any consolation, ended. and and people who maybe are more uh, well versed in in rhyme schemes could correct me, but I don't see a this last line has no bearing on any other lines. So it's oh, it doesn't. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, although I did give you a whole word to get each time. <laughs> okay, we should talk about this uh, sixth stanza. Uh, so, let us keep the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and and moving into just talking about the you know the, the the light of Christ and and referring to him as the the sun that warms and and lights us. Um, he uh, the uh, Luther's uh, German says he himself. Is the sun the the, the sunshine uh, which enlightens our hearts, um, and and we think even of of uh, you know the reference you know in in Christ there is no darkness. Um, Christ has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light, um, and 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 you know, especially with the Easter imagery of you know early in the morning on the first day of the week, as you know the sun rises, so the Son of God is risen also. That's beautiful. You know what? It, it reminds me of the the Nicene Creed: "God of God, light of light." Oh, come on. No, that's right. light. God of God, light of light. That's what it says there. Very God of very God, begotten, not made. Being of being one of substance. One, there's homo, your homoousis. <laughs> being of one substance with the Father. That's what it makes me think of. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it does. All right, hey, Cantor, we need to take a break. Would you mind staying over for just a couple that's more minutes at this break? All right, let's go to a break. More table talk radio in the seventh stanza of Christ Jesus lay in death strong bands. Right after this.
Talk Radio. The games are just an excuse. Did you know you can advertise on Table Talk Radio? Get the word out about your event or conference, or inform them about your product or service. Sponsors of Table Talk Radio are played on all of our affiliates and are permanently placed on our podcast at tabletalkradio.org. For more information, leave a message at 866-851-5523 or email me, evan, at tabletalkradio.org. That's 866-851-5523 or evan at tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Still on the line with uh, Cantor Hildebrandt from Cordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, talking about Martin Luther's hymn, Christ Jesus Lay in Death Strong Bands. Let's take a look at the scoreboard. Oh, j- yes, j- uh, j- I've got 500 points here. 500? Yeah, I got the buzzword for 200. Oh, that's right. 300 that's right. plus 200, okay. that's 500. Okay. You have 200 for your buzzword. Bringing the total to 500 to 200. That's pretty good, considering I'm not even a contestant of a game. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this last stanza, number seven. Faith lives upon no other. Alleluia. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, can't you hold a brand? How does Martin Luther finish off this hymn? Well, again, it's it's the the Lord's Supper. It's, It's I don't think this stanza needs any other commentary. It's, it speaks for itself. Uh, Christ, the bread of heaven. Um, uh, Christ alone our souls will feed. He is our meat and drink indeed. Uh, isn't that wonderful that, that and on the, uh, this feast, that he is, he is the giver, he is, he is the host, he is the meal. Um, and, uh, and this is what that festival is singing about. Which, which the last line says is, is the, the object of our faith. You right. Know, a lot of times you hear a talk about you know, faith and faith that you know might mm-hmm. you know but no here here we have an object of faith that being uh, the Lord Jesus. Right. And again this this uh, reference uh, back to uh, 1 Corinthians 5 uh is is exactly what uh, is being sung about here. That's great. Well, we're going to move into Mythbusters, but first I want to thank our guest, Cantor Hildebrandt, for being with us. Thank you so much for joining us for Table Talk Radio. My pleasure. It was a, it was a yeah, great Yeah, thank you. I hope you can come back you sometime soon. You are very soon. welcome. In fact, if you're looking for a gig as a co-host, then uh, <laughs> uh, let me know. Just sit, shoot me an email. I'll, I'll consider it. <laughs> All right. Take care now. All right. Thank you. Oh, bye-bye. All right, goodbye. All right. We're going to play Mythbusters now. Uh, this Aren't is... you gonna, don't you want to score total or what? Oh yeah. Okay. Did you like? Did you notice, by the way, how peacefully and uh, gently Cantor Hildebrand corrected me? I mentioned Second Corinthians, but the epistle text is First Corinthians chapter five, and uh, so just to make note of that. Yeah, you should. You should. You should uh, have more tact, like he does. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> About you? You mean instead of? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> All right. 700 okay. to 200 is the score. Okay, but we're going to play some Mythbusters now. <laughs> uh, this is where we, we take some teachings of a, of a church body or a, uh, whoever, whatever teaching we want to talk about, and we ap- apply the scriptural test to it. Are these teachings based in uh, God's Word? Are, are they uh, confessing Christ? What, what What's going on? Are these, you know, Doctrines invented by man. Uh, what are they? So that's that's the goal of, of MythBusters, and uh, the first one we have is uh, the age of accountability. 
So how do you think this is going to stand against um, our, our grueling critique of our Table Talk Radio Mythbusters? Well, we've got to first define what the old age of accountability is, and it um, apparently comes from those who reject infant baptism. Uh, I, I think it's the result of rejecting infant baptism, but the historical uh, origin of it could be debated, I guess. But the age of accountability is the teaching that uh, children are not held accountable for their sins until they reach a certain age at which they know uh, what they're doing is right or wrong. So then uh, the idea is if you can't know that you're a sinner, then God wouldn't hold you accountable to it. Really what's behind it is if you don't know that you're a sinner, you can't then also have faith so uh, so that you can't be saved uh, by faith, so you've got to be saved some other way. This is the, the kind of deadly part of the age of accountability business is that you have salvation apart from faith in Christ. True? Hey, you, those of you who are listening who believe in the age of accountability, you have to tell me that this is wrong because this is how I hear it. When, whenever, and it comes up in discussions of infant baptism, and they say, hey, we don't baptize babies. Uh, we only baptize believers. And, and, and you, I say, what, what are you talking about, only baptized believers? You're saying that babies can't believe? And they say, well, yeah, you can't believe until you reach the age of accountability. Uh, so that there's a particular kind of magic age at which all of a sudden God holds sinners accountable for their sin, and also he lets them believe in him. But before that, those sort of things uh, didn't happen. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to find some stuff on the age of accountability now. Do, I, do you have any idea historically where this creeps up? I, I mean, I think it comes in with this rejection of infant baptism, but I don't know how old it is. I mean, you hear about it all the time now. But this is what I—you know, the, the age of accountability, adult baptism, believer's baptism only kind of crowd loves to despise the Lutherans because they say, oh, you guys are just Roman Catholics, you baptize babies, you got all these traditions of men. And I, I love to respond to that. Is that. Look at the traditions of men. Tell me about uh, the Bible verse that tells us to dedicate our babies. Show me the Bible verse that talks about the age of accountability. Show me these traditions of men uh, that they come from the Bible. And you can't. They're just invented sort of things to make up for the fact that they stop baptizing babies against the will of God. Uh, and, I, and so I think the age of accountability comes out of this rejection of infant baptism. Speaking of baptism, uh, how, was, how was your uh, conference last week? Oh, it was fantastic. It was the most, it was the greatest thing. Oh, you should have been there. Oh, people were just having so much fun. And Yeah, I was, I was going to have Table Talk Radio charter a playing out for me to come hear you, but I had other fish to fry. Yeah. Of course, now, as we're recording, the joke is that the conference is actually tomorrow, so. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. That will never get old. Now... So now we have to go to the scriptures and say, is there any proof for the age of accountability in the scriptures? There is a particular verse. Uh, I should have looked it up before. It is, I believe, in Isaiah. Do you have it in front of you? Where Uh, it says, he will learn to choose the good and choose the evil and chew the cud or something. Right. How does that go? I'm trying to find it right around Isaiah 52 and, uh, and 53, isn't it? Right in the it's so it's part of the prophecy about Jesus. Um, oh yeah, Isaiah seven. There it is. Uh, you were close. Well, well, yeah, it's one of these messianic promises. I should have known it's around the death of Jesus. Isaiah seven fifteen Six. says, "Yeah, curds and honey he shall eat, and that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that your dread will be forsaken by both her kings." Now, uh, uh, the age of accountability, is it taught there in the text? It does teach that there is an age uh, that you will, uh, that, that children know to refuse evil and do good. And every parent knows that, uh, that, that children grow and learn the, these sorts of things. That uh, uh, when children are young, you say no, and they look at you, uh, they don't know even what you're talking about. But they get older and they can begin to... But does that mean that before they're able to... To, to refuse evil and do good, that they're not held accountable for their sin? The answer is no, of course not. And we can prove that by the fact that God holds children accountable for sins, just as he holds adults accountable for sin, because children die. The wages of sin is death. So every time a child doesn't make it to maturity, uh, it stands as proof that, that even babies are held accountable for their sin. But, but, 
This is not to cause us to fear, because just as babies are held accountable to their sin, Christ was held accountable for their sin and saved even the children, and he has salvation for them uh, in his word and in the water of holy baptism. Uh, so that children are not, just as the, they are not free from the wrath of God, nor are they free from the mercy of God, poured out through the word and and had by faith in him. So that myth is busted. Okay, but out I the have... Door busted. I, uh, I have uh, something to throw at you. Uh, sometimes I hear people use um, uh, the story of David, you know, after his... his um, Son died before the the, uh, the day of circumcision. Uh, just trusted in, in that that he would he would uh, be with him in heaven. Uh, is this teaching age of accountability? No, it's, it's a very opposite of it. I mean, you don't you. There's not two ways to go to heaven: to either believe in Jesus or to die before you reach the age of accountability. That's there's not two tracks to heaven. There's only one. It's the the death and blood of Jesus and and by faith in him and the righteousness imputed such. So when David says he he says uh the, my boy won't come to me, I'll go to him. David is confessing that this child had faith in Christ. That's that is the way to be saved by trusting uh in the name of the Lord and and being forgiven in that same name. Very good. Well, we'd like to hear from you on our forum. Go to tabletalkradio.org, click the forum button, and chat with us about the age of accountability. Coming up, what other, what, after this break, which ones do you want to do for Mythbusters? Uh, what are the, our options here? Limbo, Once Saved, Always Saved, Four Spiritual Laws, and Tulip. Let's do, uh, let's do a little Once Saved, Always Saved. All right. So we're going to be applying Once Saved, Always Saved to our Table Talk Radio Mythbusters right after this break. Also, give us a call on our phone line, 866-851-5523, or email us questions at tabletalkradio.org. Right back for more Table Talk Radio. In the early 16th century, there was a man named John Tetzel who is remembered for his selling of indulgences to fund the construction of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. He said, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Luther, of course, combated this teaching, saying that the indulgence wasn't even worth the paper it was written on. We at Table Talk Radio want to give you something of equal value. For every dollar you donate through our website, tabletalkradio.org, we will send you one Table Talk Radio point. With this certificate of pretend Table Talk Radio points, you'll be reminded that the points on Table Talk Radio are like the treasury of merits to your salvation. No help whatsoever. Get your pretend Table Talk Radio points today by clicking the Donate button on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, playing Table Talk Radio Mythbusters. And uh, just got done talking about the age of accountability. Now we're talking about once saved, always saved. I want to, just so I get it in. I want to read a letter I got from uh, from Michael Ritzman. This was written ages ago, and now I'm cleaning up my office after Easter, and I finally found it. I wanted to thank him for it. This this is the letter that came along with the Iron Preacher T-shirt. You know what I'm talking about? Right. This is classic. Pastor Wolfmuller, please find and close the unofficial Brian Wolfmuller Iron Preacher T-shirt. I have the pleasure of presenting similar ones to Pastor Todd Wilkin and Chris Roseborough at the recent Brothers of Saint John the Steadfast Conference in Naperville, Illinois. Uh, with your busy schedule and wildly successful radio program, I know you were gone. It must have been difficult to find time. Yeah, thanks. This is <laughs> that's putting the best construction on things right there. <laughs> Regardless, please accept this gift as a token of my appreciation for your work in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a classic. We should turn this into a tagline. Also, let me say that I really enjoy Christian radio that entertains while it teaches. And I also like Table Talk Radio, too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks again in Christ, Michael Richmond. Thanks, Michael, for the T-shirt and for the note and for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, there it is. Okay, let's talk about once saved, always saved. This is the teaching that uh, that once you make a decision for Christ, he gets you into some sort of holy headlock and won't let go. 
<laughs> it's so that now, so that to get into to get into being uh, forgiven, you gotta do the work yourself. But once you're in, you're locked in, and there's no going back. Uh, kind of like table talk radio points, you get them, but you can't you can't lose them. Uh, so you can never shake them, get rid of them, no matter how much cream you have. Unless we're playing Jeopardy. Oh yeah, that's true. So then, um, <laughs> so this is eternal security, uh, the perseverance of the saints, the Calvinists like to call it. It's the P in the tulip. Uh, so th- that's the teaching. Now we have to bust it or unbust it. We got to look and see if the scriptures teach it. Is that how this goes? Yeah. One more thing on that. I was talking to um, a Baptist one time who she said that uh, she believed in once saved, always saved, and. Um, I found after talking to her for a few minutes that she didn't fully understand what we were talking about when we were saying that we opposed the uh, once saved, always saved. Um, she was thinking that uh, when when we oppose once saved, always saved, it is as if you were you could be walking down your street one day and, and autumn just somehow lose your salvation. Um, but that's not what we what we say when we're opposing once saved, always saved. We're saying that uh, you've come to a point where you've rejected. The faith that you've been given. Yeah, it's not like, uh, uh, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're late for an appointment, you're rushing around. Where did I put my keys? Where did yeah. I put my salvation? I've lost my salvation. I just had That's it right. yesterday. Where, where is it? <laughs> it's got to be around here. So, no, it's it's not like this. There, there's two ways. See, we are we are saved by faith, and but faith is a. Uh, 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 faith is something that's created and sustained by the Lord's word. So there's two, uh, there's two ways that the Bible talks about faith being in danger. One way uh, is by gross, uh, unrepented sin. Sin. So that um, uh, the, our confessions that say things like, we do not go for this idea that faith can coexist with gross mortal sin. The Holy Spirit can exist alongside this sort of sin. So that when uh, someone uh, uh, kind of willingly, knowingly goes and commits some sort of gross outward sin, like David and his adultery and murder, we say that the Holy Spirit is not present uh, any longer, um, that they can't coexist with one another. Uh, of course, the hope is always for repentance and a restoration, uh, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew uh, a right spirit within me. The, the, the other thing... Um, uh, that endangers faith, and this is this is very very interesting. Is Paul talking in Galatians says this? He says if you if you after having been justified by faith, if you seek to uh, to be saved or or to be continually justified or forgiven by the law, then you have fallen from grace. In other words, uh, the other way to d- endanger your faith is by trying to to keep your faith or your salvation or or God's good pleasure by your own works and obedience so that uh, so that when we if we begin to trust in our works and in our goodness then we've fallen off on the other side and and fallen from faith that's right and i was trying to find that that passage in hebrews we bring up a lot you know what passage i'm talking about well there's a couple there's uh, what hebrews uh 4 and hebrews uh 7 or something some very difficult passages about uh, crucifying again the lord and it's impossible to be restored. That's a that's kind of a different question. The the question of eternal security is is once you've been regenerated, converted, saved, forgiven, can you then be un unforgiven? Uh, and the answer is yes, because we are forgiven by faith, and it is possible to lose faith. But here's the most important question about the whole deal: when someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, can you lose your salvation?" You don't want to just say, "Oh yeah." You want to say, "Why do you ask?" There's a bit of law gospel uh, to be done here. Because if someone comes to you and they're afraid that they've lost their salvation because they've committed some sort of gross uh, outward sin or some sort of immorality, then we want to be able to say very clearly to them, look at uh, G- look at what Jesus says. I, I died for uh, all sins. The, uh, Paul says, Christ died for sinners, of which I am the foremost. Jesus says that uh, I know my sheep and I call them and, and I hold them in my hand and no one can snatch them from me. We want to have all of these passages of comfort and forgiveness and restoration available to someone that thinks they've lost their salvation. On the other hand, someone could be asking, hey, can you lose your salvation? Because they've got some sort of wicked plot. They've got an idea uh, that they want to try to get away with something. 
but they're they're not so sure they want to risk the eternal salvation over it. I'm going to go commit this sin as long as I can't lose my salvation. And if someone is going to use the fact that they can't lose their salvation as an excuse to sin, then we need to hear the law uh, preached in all of its sternness. Not only will you, but can you lose your salvation, but you will. He who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Uh, and another thing, the, there's a kind of a, a deeper problem with those who say that you know, once saved, always saved. Is I ask this question. Um, this, this usually comes along not not so much with the reform, but you know, with the kind of the American evangelicals of today. I ask, um, uh, well, what about all these people we see that you know were in the church and and you know they're obviously not Christians now. They're you know Buddhists or they become atheists or whatever. Isn't that a, a good marking that you know? They were, you know, that that you can lose your lose your faith, and the and the response is is astonishing. They say, "Well, they were never saved to begin with." And I was, well, why why weren't they saved to begin with? Well, they they must not have been sincere or something when they when they you know, asked Jesus into their heart or something like that. And so, salvation is then brought into question in the first place. That how do you really know that you're saved if you were never saved to begin with? Yeah, that's right. And and what happens in the end is the the doctrine of eternal security, which is supposed to give comfort, ends up stealing it away. Because did those people who became retrobate, did they think they were Christian to begin with? Well, yeah, they did think they were Christian, uh, but but obviously they weren't. And then you just have to ask the person, well, do you think you're a Christian? And it and and the and your own conviction about your faith, about Christ, about all of this stuff, absolutely means nothing until you make it to the end to, and see that your faith was sincere. Which it, that's almost the same exact exact teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, even a little bit worse. Uh, the teaching that American evangelicals despise, and but they themselves have, with their sneaky, once saved, always saved. That's right. Well, I think this is busted. What do you think? Yep, busted. Busted. Well, you want to do some 20 questions? Yeah, sure. Okay, do you, you, you think of something for me. Um, something? Um... Uh... Yes. Is it a person, place, or thing? Yes. Which is it? A thing. It's, oh, it's a, a thing. thingy. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're never going to get this. Is it powerful? No. No. Um, is it a male? Oh, wait. No. You said. I guess that's a dumb question. <laughs> Is it That's so good at this question. Is it made of stone? Yes. Oh, I think I'm onto something. Yeah, you are. Does it help accomplish tasks? No, uh, mm, Yes. <laughs> um Everyone mm. playing along is just on the edge of their seat waiting for your questions. Is it <laughs> Will the radio clown advance in the game? Is it larger than a bread box? Yes. Um, is it holy? Uh, no. Um, is it... Oh, I don't know. Is it a place of worship? No. Is it, invo- <laughs> is it involved in battle? Um, no. Um, uh, is it a city? No. Can it make God angry? (laughs) Um, I don't think so, no. No. Uh, is it respected? Yes, by some. Is it a uh, cistern? No. Cistern. Good thinking. (laughs) Um, Has it inflicted pain on others? Uh, No. Um, (laughs) How much time do you have? I don't know. This is probably the last one. Is it a... um, (laughs) uh, it's, It's not a tablet of the Ten Commandments, is it? No. Ah, what is it? The lesser light, otherwise known as the moon. I was cheating, too. I was using this 20 questions website. It wasn't even working. God. <laughs> oh, 
Do you have time for me? I always get these. Do you have yours picked out? Oh, uh, yes. Person, place, Go. or thing? Uh, thing. Uh, is it in the Bible? Yes. Is it in the New Testament? Yes. Is it in the Gospels? No. Is it in the book of Acts? No. Uh, is it in the Revelation? Yes. Is it in... How many questions is that? Five. Five questions. Is it alive? No. Mm-hmm. Is it in the... Is it in the first seven chapters of the book of Revelation? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> hold that Hold that thought. <laughs> I'm going to get this. That you have to look no. is helping me, too. No. It's not. No. Okay. Is it the lake of fire? No. Is it uh, hot? No. Is it cold? Mm, no. Is it lukewarm? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? It doesn't have a temperature? Um, okay, fine. It's lukewarm, la- I guess. Right. <laughs> it's room temperature. It's in the last half of the book of the Revelation. It's not on fire. It's not alive. Is it uh, some? Is it pointy? <laughs> no. Um. Is it something that you wear? No. Uh, uh, is it something on earth? No. Something in heaven? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Is it a throne? No. Okay. What do, what does it have in heaven? Is it the is it the sea that stands before the throne of God? No. You have three more questions. Oh, okay. It's something in heaven, something in the last half of Revelation. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, it's uh, now. I'm assuming that if it was water, it would be cold. Do you ha- do you share that assumption? That's not a question. <laughs> <laughs> I might share that assumption. <laughs> All right. Is it the uh, is it the tree of life? No. Is it the fruit of the tree of life? No. Last question. Is it the New Jerusalem? No. Uh, We're looking for the uh, Lamb's Book of Life. You're close, though. For the what? Lamb's Book of Life. The Lamb's Book of Life. Oh, I was getting close. (laughs) It's my favorite game, though. Wait, the final score? 700 to 200. You know the winner. Oh, yeah. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.